Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. I'm supposed to share on this Christmas message and I've entitled it, If There Were No Christmas. You know, there is this guy called Thomas Alva Edison, who is the inventor of the electric bulb. And they have a unique way of remembering his birth anniversary. How do they remember the birth anniversary of one who invented the uh, electric bulb? The way they do it is they just switch off the power supply for two minutes. <laughs> to tell you what would life be if there was no electric bulb and if there was no Thomas Alva Edison. This they do in his hometown. And uh, he, he, you know it makes you appreciate Thomas Elva Edison, and he was a great inventor. And not only invented electric bulb, he invented many other things that is there. But I think we could also think uh, for today, in a similar way, what would happen if there were no Christmas? So why don't you ask your neighbor, what would life be if there was no Christmas? Tell your neighbor. Well, we celebrate Christmas because Christ came. And if there were no Christmas means, Christ did not come at all. Just for a moment, imagine that some powerful hand had wiped off the influence of Christ in our civilization as a hand would clean a blackboard in a school classroom. Or go to the library and you find no trace of the words of the life of Jesus anywhere. Imagine for a minute, all has vanished. Imagine in the encyclopedia and in the internet, the entries of Jesus Christ and everything associated with it has been wiped out, removed off. What would it mean? It would mean there would be no Christian literature. There would be no New Testament. All the massive amount of literature that is written from the New Testament in terms of New Testament commentaries, concordances, study books, biographies, novels would have all disappeared. Libraries would be devoid of that huge chunk of the material. Secondly, there would be no church buildings and no church staff. If Christ had not come, there would be no church buildings, no religion called Christianity, no cross, no deacons, no elders, no apostles, no evangelists, neither Victor, neither Stanley, no pastors, no bishops, no popes, no cardinals. No Catholic church, no Protestant church, no Baptist church, no Adonai church. Nothing would be there. <laughs> Nobody in the audience, no staff, no sanctuary, no worship, no sermon because we have nothing to preach about. No Sunday school, no youth group, no cell group. None of the things we take for granted, all would be gone, vanished into the mist if Christ had not come. That's a terrible thought. If no Christmas festival, if Christ had not come, then there were no Christian hymns, no Sister Sandra to come and sing that song, no carols, no more song practices, that's good, uh, no Christmas skits, no Christmas shopping, no Christmas decoration, no Christmas trees, no Christmas star, no Christmas festival, no celebration. No Christmas stories. If Christ had not come, we would have no stories to tell our children about the wise men, about the shepherds, about Gabriel or Herod or the angelic choir, no frankincense, gold or myrrh, no Joseph, no Mary, no innkeeper, no manger. Oh, we would be devoid of wonderful things we thoroughly enjoy. No great paintings on the themes of Christ. If Christ had not come, then in the museums and the art libraries, no paintings like the Transfiguration, the Last Supper, Christ on the cross, there would be only empty space. 
no special architecture. If Christ had not come, then the great cathedrals and their unique architecture wouldn't exist. No buildings would be there with a cross on the top of it. No great inspiration for poetic literature. If Christ had not come, then the great poems of Dante and Milton and Wordsworth and Tennyson, all gone, vanished without a trace. No Christian social work. If Christ had not come, Christian hospitals, NGOs that have such a magnificent influence would all perish as if shaken down by some cosmic earthquake. If Christ had not come, all the churches and their good works would be raised from the earth. It doesn't stop there. No Christian universities or schools. If Christ had not come, then no more outstanding universities. No Oxford, no Cambridge, no Howard, no Yale, no Princeton, no Wheaton, no more Trinity College, no more Moody Bible Institute, no Notre Dame University. And in India, I do not know what you have, Christ College or St. Joseph or uh, Bishop Cotton or Clarence or uh, what a Baldwin or whatever, you name it, none of that would exist. You would have been educated in some school. Yeah, not even this NGO radiant, that also not be there. And none of that, <clears throat> no cathedral. No Christian media, if Christ had not come, no Christian radio, no Christian TV, no, Christ, no God channel, no Christian books, no Christian magazines. No gospel songs, if Christ had not come, no great hymns, no choruses, no gospel song, no masterpieces like Handel's Messiah. No great reformers or preachers, if Christ had not come, no Billy Graham crusade, no Martin Luther, no Reformation, no Mother Teresa. Even Mahatma Gandhi was inspired by reading the first uh, th th chapter 5, 6 and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew from which he got his mission of non-violence. Who knows, we would still be under British rule. <laughs> Who knows? No Christian missions. If Christ had not come, no prison fellowship, no missionaries spreading the gospel, no weekly Bible translators, no Christian relief agencies bringing hope and uh, help to the hurting people, no Red Cross. No motivation for some professions. If Christ had not come, then no youth for Christ, no seminaries, no Bible correspondence course, no Christian doctors, lawyers, dentists. I think there's a Baptist hospital, no Baptist hospital. No godly business uh, people donating their time and resources and the welfare of others. No Christian calendar. The calendar we show today is AD 2014 would not show. Then AD stands for Anno Domini, which means in the year of the Lord. There would be no Lord that has come and there would be no year of the Lord. Oh, that is terrible. I never knew no Christmas would be so bad. It is terribly bad. It would be just sap us of all our energy and drain us of all the life that we have. The fact that we have gathered at today evening at 7, again going to gather another bunch of people at 10 and all over the world, all would be just shut down. That's a terrible, terrible thought that we can get. You know what? It even gets even worse. If Christ had not come, the world would still be in spiritual darkness. This is worse than Thomas Alva Edison's absence of electric bulb. It got switched off for only two minutes, but we would be living in total moral darkness, although we still be sitting in moral darkness. If Christ had not come, the promises of God would be unfulfilled. If Christ had not come, then there would be no bridge across the gulf of sin. If Christ had not come, we would not know that God is love. If Christ had not come, we would still be lost, for there would be no savior for our sin, no forgiveness for our sins. We would be still using wild animals and animals for sacrifice uh, for, uh, for, for our remission of our sins. 
If Christ had not come, there would be no gospel to believe, no good news to offer to others. If Christ had not come, there would be no hope beyond the grave. If Christ had not come, there would be no Christmas, but neither would there be Easter. Neither would there be any resurrection, no hope of heaven, no crowns to wear, no thrones to sit, no dominion, no power, no future whatsoever. That would be a miserable existence and that would be the worst nightmare come true into our life. That's terrible. Tell your neighbor, this is utter darkness if there is no Christmas. You look like you're already dead without Christmas. <laughs> but I have good news. Praise God that Christ did come. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, thank God Christ did come. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're alive. Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the time, set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Hallelujah. In the fullness of time, God decided to send his son, Jesus, and glory be to God that he did come when God did send him. And therefore, the Christmas story starts at the cradle, but is always under the shadow of the cross. Jesus came to be a substitute. He took your place and my place. My punishment died my death. And in exchange, he gave me many, many things. And I wish to highlight three things this evening. Because Christ came, we receive grace. Because Christ came, we receive grace. Definition of grace is the free, unmerited favor of God, that is the gift of God, shown towards men. As many of you know G-R-A-C-E is often used as an acronym for God's riches at Christ's expense. And God's grace, graciousness, and gracefulness all comes from this grace of God. Another definition of grace is the divine assistance and power given to man in spiritual rebirth and cleansing. You know, this grace, we don't fully understand, but it is the phenomenal power and favor of God that enables us to handle life in a way unique. Stories told of a lady whose name was Annie Johnson Flint, who lost both her parents before she was six years old. She was adopted by a childless couple but then became afflicted with arthritis as a teenager. Some of us do have arthritis, but maybe you are 60 and 70, that's okay. But she got it as a teenager. And later on, she was unable to walk. She wanted to be a composer and a concert pianist, but her illness deprived her of her ability to play the piano. So she began to write poetry. Later in life, being unable to open her hands, she wrote many of her poems on the typewriter using her knuckles. And out of these trials and problems came the great hymn which has helped so many folks throughout the ages. It was based on 2 Corinthians 12.9. And he said unto me, the Lord said unto Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. If you have your notes, this verse is there, circle the word, my grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Circle the word, my strength. Most gladly will I therefore rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Circle the word, power of Christ. And this is the song she wrote. Verse 1 says, this is Annie Flint wrote, the girl 
as a teenager whose fingers had with arthritis had become she was typing with her knuckles and in that excluding pain that she went through derived uh, deprived of her parents who had died and brought up by someone else she wrote this song he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater he sendeth more strength when the labors increase to added affliction he addeth his mercy to multiply trials his multiplied grace when we have exhausted our store of endurance when strength has declined or the days have done when we reach the end of our hoarded resources our father's full giving is only begun fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision our god ever yearns his resources to share learn lean hard on his arm everlasting availing the father both thee and thy lord will abear his love has no limit his grace has no measure his power no boundary known unto men for out of his infinite riches in jesus he giveth and giveth and giveth again from that pain to write that magnificent experience of the grace of god one would have only tasted a real grace to be able to write that hymn you are aware of another man who was in the army and because he had a failing health he was rejected from the army and so he left the army which is for those in the army they don't like to reject to be rejected because on medical grounds they probably like a bullet at the back and then leave but not to grow away from medical ground that was you know challenging from him then one girl was planning to marry him and she said no to him she already had one uh, broken relationship he then left that place went to another place and another girl was ready to marry him and she came on a wedding day but she was traveling on a horse and she had to ford through a river we suddenly had a flash flood and knocked the horse down knocked her down and she was swept and drowned and she also would not be able to make it as it were she died and he could not get married a second time everywhere were tragedies after tragedies after tragedies but he is the one who wrote that famous song what a friend we have in jesus what needless pain we bear just take it to the lord in prayer how did he find that he found his journey through that grace that was there you also know of the man whose family went on a boat from us to uk but somewhere in the high seas that ship capsized and except his wife who remained alive all his children died on that particular journey he had already uh, been in a severe financial loss he was to follow his family a few days later which he did and he got into the boat and he he traveled in the next ship and he asked the captain where did that previous ship uh, you know get capsized and you know all the people drowned and so the ship's captain said somewhere in this area that ship drowned so he stood there and then he was inspired to write songs that are there that come upon him and so it is in this setting that people are able to write it is well it is well with my soul and therefore this magnificent song can only come when we experience the grace of god and all because jesus christ comes to bring his grace every time a service ends we end the service by saying now may the love of god the father and the grace of the lord jesus christ be with you and we need that grace by which we are encouraged to carry on 
<clears throat> and therefore, this is the grace that allows us to uh, carry on. All because Jesus Christ came, where Jesus Christ came, we receive grace. Christ came on earth, and, and the question is that we have is, Christ did come on earth, but has he come into your life and my life? And have you experienced his grace? Are you now experienced your grace? Or are you overwhelmed by your barrages of problems that are there? And are you under the problems or are you under his grace? Because his grace is sufficient for us in our times of need. I pray this Christmas time it will be sufficient. Secondly, because Christ came, lives are transformed. Because Christ came, lives are transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Will you circle in that Bible verse the word transform? Circle the word transform. In the 19th century, there was an atheist, very prominent atheist. Even now there are many prominent ones. One of them was called Charles Bradlow. And he challenged a Christian whose name was Hugh Price Hughes. And he challenged him to a debate. And Hughes, you know, kind of rejected his offer. So he kind of blackmailed him, maligned him, said, come, come, come. Let's see whether you can stand this debate. And Hughes just said he was an active soul winner. And he had been helpful for many poor people in the slums of London. And uh, he said he would come for the debate on one condition. Hughes, the Christian, said to Bradlow, the atheist, I'll come on one condition. I propose that each one of us bring some concrete evidence of the validity of our beliefs in the form of men and women who have been redeemed from their lives of sin and shame by the influence of our teaching. You in your atheist teaching and I in my Christ teaching. I will bring hundreds such men and women and I challenge you to do the same. When it became apparent that Bradlow could not bring hundred. You just said, okay, let's bring it down to 50. You bring 50, I bring 50. He could not bring 50. He said, 20. Finally, he said, bring one. He could not bring one. And that is the power of the gospel, the power by the name of Jesus, lives are transformed. Someone says, no, no, Christ is all for those children and ladies. It's a sissy religion. That is why Sunday school often has only lady teachers. I don't know why. I was taught by men in my Sunday school. But that, that is another story. Where one man was ridiculing. And therefore someone else said to him, he said, imagine with me, just imagine with me, that you are traveling in your car, you are very late from your work spot, and you have to reach home because there are guests waiting for you. It's a dinner and they're all desperately, your wife is calling again and again. And you decide to rush home, only to find that if you took the usual route, it would take a long time. So you decide to go through a rough part of the town, which you normally never take. Because it is dangerous to go through that rough part of town. You could be waylaid, you could be in great difficulty. But you close all your windows, you, you know, lock everything, and you take your car and you decide to go through that particular dangerous area. Imagine with me, said you're going through a dangerous area when your car is right in the middle of that particular area when your engine starts sputtering and then comes to a dead halt. And now you are in great trouble, right in the middle of the most dangerous territory. And you don't know what to do. You decide to come out of the car, open the hood of the car to see if you can find anything which you can fix and run. But you cannot find anything. There's nobody on the street. And as you are looking at that engine, you hear some sound. And so you shut the hood and you look around. And there from a side alley, you can see some men coming out 
whose heads are shaved, they look with the big heads, their muscles are like my thigh, or around there. And they are coming and they are about six or seven of them and they are coming in the direction of your car. And so you run inside your car, shut all the doors, windows, and freeze there. And at that point of time, they come very close. And as you are waiting in tension, you discover all these people are walking with a Bible in hand. They are coming home from some Bible study. What would you feel before and after? And tell me, is Christianity a religion of women and sissy people? It can change and transform even the worst of the worst cases. That is our hope. That is our future. Hallelujah. And so Christ came and he lives our transport. And Christ came on earth, but he has he come into our life and has he transformed us thoroughly and completely. Redeemed us from the life of sin and shame. And thirdly and finally, because Christ came, we have forgiveness of sins. Because Christ came, we have grace. Because Christ came, lives are transformed. And because Christ came, we have forgiveness of sins. Acts 10, 43 says, All the prophets testify about Jesus that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Circle the word forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. There's an interesting story that comes from the turbulence of World War II. Sergeant Jacob de Chazer was a bombardier in one of the squadron. While bombing Japan, his plane was shot down by anti-aircraft fire. He and his crew bailed out but were captured. They were treated with great cruelty, so much so that Jacob de Chazer has but one desire, to take great revenge on his torturers. But one day, a Bible was brought into the prison and as he read it, it melted the hatred in it he had in his heart. When the war was over, the Shazer returned to Japan as a missionary to the Japanese people. The story of his life was printed as a tract. One day, a disheartened, broken, hopeless Japanese man received one of those tracts. He was touched by what he read. So he sought out the American missionary and gloriously, that Japanese man was also converted. And this Japanese man's name was Captain Mitsui Hushida. He was the Japanese officer who led the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. It was he who had spoken the words, Torah, 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 to begin the attack. He too became a preacher of the gospel. And on the 25th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, he went back to Pearl Harbor with the gift for the survivors, a Bible which had been inscribed with Luke 23, 43. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That is the power of the gospel. Two worst enemies can be joined by the power of forgiveness. You receive forgiveness and you minister forgiveness to the people. Just as you remember Gladys Stain, whose husband was uh, burnt alive along with her two sons. When the news reached her, she said, I forgive them. And that was the precise time, exact season, when a certain naval admiral was not given his promotion and his wife said, I'll sue the government. What a world of a difference. And Gladys Staines for next two years was on a circuit riding all over the country, speaking the message of forgiveness. And her name appeared frequently 
onto the newspapers because she was a model. She was considered to be a mother of Mother India because she was able to give a message of hope and forgiveness, all because of the power of the forgiveness of the power of the Lord. And so Christ came on earth to forgive, and I trust we have experienced the forgiveness of our sins. And are we able to forgive others? If you have not done that, today will be a good day to end all chapters. Wherever anything is left over, we can finish it off completely. I got from a small booklet called One Solitary Life. Listen to this. Jesus was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was a traveling preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of those things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garment. That is the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever set, all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as this one solitary life. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. And as we sang this evening, Jesus, let him be the center of everything. By his grace, people are forgiven, and by that, lives are transformed. And today, as we celebrate Christmas, I trust you allow Christ to be born definitely into your heart. If there's anyone seated here who has not had the experience of Christ born into our heart, he was born on earth, but let him be born into our heart. May you experience the forgiveness, and may you release forgiveness, and may your life be transformed as you experience his grace upon grace upon grace for today and forever. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming on earth. Thank you that if you had not come, our life would be empty, dark, and unfocused. Our sin would have separated us from you. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did come. We thank you that you did come. We thank you that you, give, you gave us a message of grace and forgiveness, and you have transformed our life. And you have given us light by which we can live by. We thank you, Lord, that you have given a purpose, a destiny, you have poured upon us your love. You have made us a new creation. You have made us overcomers. You have crowned us with glory and honor. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. You have made us sit together with you in the heavenly realms. Thank you, Lord. You have given us a hope and future even beyond the grave. You have gone ahead to prepare a place for us. And you are coming back again to take us back with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And today, Lord, as we remember your birth 2,000 years ago, we are so overwhelmed with your love for us and your commitment to us and your utter devotion to us to die for us on the cross. We bless you and we glorify name. And we say, Lord, till our last breath, we would continue to praise you and bless you and glorify name. And even in eternity, we would never tire 
to give you the glory because to you alone belongs all glory all dominion all power today forever and ever amen amen thank you for listening to this message to know more about us please visit www.adonai-ministries.com